Welcome to the No More Late Fees podcast. I'm Danielle. And I'm Jackie. And we're just two best friends and ex-Blockbuster employees re-watching some of the best and worst movies from the late 90s and early 2000s. This week, we are falling into the web and celebrating the 20th anniversary of 2002's movie and of 2002's Spider-Man. We're excited to have our pod pals from the Mike and Mike Go to the Movies podcast with us. Welcome. Hey, guys. Appreciate you having us. I appreciate you having the same name so I don't have to remember multiple things. The brain, (laughs) not so good. We did this for you. (laughs) This was a concerted effort. Thank your mamas. (laughs) One of us changed our name before we started the podcast. (laughs) One day we're going to be on another pod and the girl can't remember shit. So we need to make it simple for her. Yes. That would be Danielle. That was the thought. (laughs) But before we dive in, let's get into some housekeeping. Oh my God, that sounded like we almost got it. (laughs) Should we have joined in on that too? (laughs) We did not get the memo there. That's not in the notes. If you love the podcast and you want to support us, here's a few ways you can. You can become one of our Patreon besties and gain access to exclusive content, stickers, ask me anything, polls, you got it. Just head on to patreon.com slash no more late fees. And if money is tight, no worries. You can really help us out by writing us a review. Did you know writing a review and or rating us helps us to get more listeners? Like this review from Davia Tenmin. A great podcast. Jackie and Danielle really bring back great memories via their love of movies. Well worth it for any fan of the 90s and 2000s. Subscribe, everyone. Five stars. I thought his name was Davey. I, I, I don't know. It's Dave. Dave. It's, yeah. Davey. Yeah. Davey. A? It looks like know. it's Davey. A. A. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> but now he's Davey. Who knows? Davey. Davey. Ah. <laughs> oh, I see it in the Or maybe, the, maybe he's Canadian. Yeah, there is a space there. Maybe he's Canadian. Is Davey A? Hey. Hey. He's a big Degrassi fan. Yeah. <laughs> so if you want to be featured and help us grow, head to Apple, Spotify, Podchasers, Good Pods, or your favorite podcast platform and leave us a review. And if you want to be cool like me and have a No More Late Fees t-shirt or any merch, Head to our Redbubble page at nomorelatefees.redbubble.com. Make sure you're buying from us and not someone in Germany that stole our design. Yeah, bitch. I'm going to find you one day. Is that a thing that <laughs> happened to you guys? It, it is. Oh, <laughs> I think that person's about to get knifed. That's how you know your podcast has made it, though. Right? Someone steals your design. Daniel <laughs> was just like, Jackie. And I'm like yeah. in the middle of work and I'm like, I can't. I'm in a meeting. I don't know what to do. Someone's stealing our like $2 that we get per shirt from us. Like, <laughs> she's like, no, I already took care of that shit. I was like, oh, okay. Immediately. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Let's dive into the movie. Tell us about uh, it. With great power comes great responsibility. Peter Parker is just a regular high school student who on a school field trip is bitten by a radioactive spider, which gives him superhuman abilities of heightened senses, wall crawling, and getting swole. 
<laughs> After honing his skills in an underground fighting ring, he is ready to swing into action, saving New York from the Green Goblin while attempting to get the girl. It stars Tobey Maguire, Kirsten Dunst, Willem Dafoe, James Franco, and J.K. Simmons. It was written by David Cope, based on the characters by Stan Lee and Steve Ditko, and it was directed by Sam Raimi. You can watch it on Peacock. But before we get started, let's get into our ratings rewind. So you know the drill. Before we get into the movie, we'll reveal the rating our Y2K versions of ourselves would give. Then at the end, we'll see if our current selves agree with our initial rating. Our scale consists of would buy it, would buy it again. The best would play on repeat. Five-day rental. Would watch again. Two-day rental. Okay, but nothing to write home about. And same-day rental. Trash, straight up trash. I couldn't think of anything. I think so, right? We can't <laughs> always win. With trash. I think we've set the bar too high. We have. So I will start with Mike D. What yes. is your rating? When I was a, a little baby in 2002? Yes. Yes. I mean, buy it. I've, come on. <laughs> All right. What about you, Mike? Uh, yeah, 100% would buy it, would buy it again. Whatever the highest rating I could have possibly <laughs> given this movie. This came out when I was nine years old. Okay, I was, it time was... out. Y'all can't <laughs> reference your fucking age no more. I can't take this shit anymore. When I was when I damn was near a... a full adult when this movie came out. You, you got to understand how monumental this movie was for nine years old. <laughs> <laughs> Jackie? Because we waited in line. Remember, we waited in line for this. Like, Did you really? Yes. We, we <sighs> got there early. <laughs> <laughs> so 2002, we were in college. <laughs> and <Fair enough. laughs> I was at least we double did... digits, I'll say. <laughs> <laughs> we did wait in line. Like, I think we bought the tickets early and then yeah. got there early and waited in line to get into the theater because for anyone who's not old enough to remember seats used to be first come first serve so I would wait in line for like sometimes up to two hours for a movie I wanted really good seats for and then my other friends and stuff would join me in line as it got closer to you'd lay your jackets out across the yes (laughs) exactly like popcorn here soda here purse in the middle and yep. fights yeah. there would be yeah. fights yes yeah and, th- and this is one you definitely would have had to do that for because i believe this movie was the first movie ever to make a hundred million dollars domestically in its opening weekend yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. so yeah uh, uh, it was it was big it was a big deal <laughs> yeah y2k jackie was not impressed mm. and so i would probably do a five day rental i think i did watch it when it came out on dvd again but i most certainly did not buy it i have it <laughs> so do I. <laughs> I I I did buy it. I don't. Recall. You don't know why? Yeah. And the, well, see, the thing is, like, so my baby brother loves Spider Man. Like, I think it was like one of the first complex words he could say. And so it was our thing that I would take him to see all the Spider Man movies, whether I love them or not. I just know that I went to see them. And me being a comic book nerd and just loving comic book characters I was so excited during this time when we had like this resurgence so I think that was a part of it I didn't know it could get better at the time (laughs) Mm -hmm, you know mm -hmm. so it was a would buy it for me in 2002 
yeah, I'll leave it at that. Tell us about the box office, Danielle. Sure. <laughs> Glad you asked. So the movie had a budget of $139 million. We all know Sony at the time, all the Marvel movies, the rights were sold off to different studios and Sony got their spidey hands on it and they put a lot of money behind it and then in its opening weekend it made a hundred million dollars like mike said and then worldwide it made 825 million dollars it was the third highest grossing movie of 2002 worldwide i believe the only thing that beat it was the lord of the rings two towers 936.6 million dollars fuck picture nominee lord of the rings the two towers yes (laughs) and then harry potter and the chamber of secrets at 878.9 million dollars and then spider-man trailing at 825 we had a lot of extra spending money in 2002 to go see all these fucking movies we were living (laughs) in a time it was a golden (laughs) age we were having the fucking times of our lives going to the movies at that time I could, I wish I could go back. (laughs) Maybe we should start a podcast and talk about that time, Jackie. There you go. That's, that's a good idea. You should try something like that. Yeah, you should Uh, write that down. (laughs) Yeah, no, it is, it is fun. Whenever Mike and I like look through like, because we, with on the uh, Goldblum slash Michelle Yeoh podcast now slash Nicolas Cage, it's tough to refer to it now. We always go through like the box office for whatever, like was that weekend when that movie came out. And I like whenever we're in like the nineties or two thousands, it's like, man, we kind of watch all of these movies like right now. Yeah. <laughs> and then and then when you get to the newer box offices, it's more just like, ah, a lot of these like were not very good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's you all know. the same stuff from the 90s again. Yeah, it is. Like, right. but regurgitation. Before we dive into the movie, we have to talk about the, the whole casting situation. Sam Raimi is a huge Spider-Man like fan. Like he loved mm-hmm. Spider-Man, mm-hmm. the comic books. And he had to fight like hell to even be able to, to like get this. I mean, they were trying to make this for such a long time and James Cameron was trying to make this like in the 90s. Yeah. Like there, there was going to be a what? James Cameron version. Did you not yeah. know that, Mike? No. <laughs> oh yeah. No, there was a James Cameron version. He, there, His script was leaked online, I think a while back. And it, I don't think I ever read it, but it sounded wild. And I don't <laughs> think it would have been feasible to make happen just in terms of like, mid 90s where we were at with cgi at that point i mean if he anybody could just build it like yeah. that's what james cameron <laughs> does him yeah. and, and I, lucas they're like we ain't got it we're gonna make it yeah if, if anybody <laughs> could have made it look good in that time it probably would have been james cameron yeah um, mm-hmm. but like i think the story itself was like bug nuts like absolutely insane <laughs> and you know that just never really got off the ground for whatever reason one way or another cycled through a few different filmmakers and sam raimi was like not necessarily the first choice in the list he was he like, wasn't you know, even on the list yeah exactly because <laughs> you think about it sam raimi at this point he's like best known i mean he would have had a couple of studio movies at this point but he's best known for making like the super weird evil dead trilogy of movies yeah. right which rule but like studios like it, it's not it's a weird thing to be like the guy who made the evil dead let's hire him to make spider-man like, <laughs> yeah. it's a, it's a leap you have to make in your mind <laughs> in order yeah. to get there but when the passion is there I forgot who actually advocated, someone advocated for him. I can't remember off the top of my head. What I do love is the story that Stephen, I believe Stephen King was one of the first people to advocate for Sam Raimi to like be able to make movies. Mm -hmm. He was was one of the first people to see the evil dead, I believe. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Which I think is very cool. And then Tobey Maguire, again, 
I don't know if that bitch was on the list originally, but <laughs> very um, unlikely casting choice, especially yes, at that time. Yeah. But I know Lear they offered it to Leonardo DiCaprio and he said no, but you know, his brosive was like, he's like, you gotta talk to Toby. You gotta look at my, my brother here. Don't no. know why. Thin lips don't care. That's all I could. <laughs> and we were doing the new guy, and I found out because I watched uh, Eliza Dishku was being interviewed, and she said that he had to kind of prove that he could be Spider-Man. They couldn't believe him as an action hero kind of situation, so they did like a huge reading with all the Sony execs, and he asked Eliza if she could read with him, and the, after that reading, that secured that he was going to get the job. Interesting. But she was like, and I didn't get Mary Jane. <laughs> <laughs> Rough. So other actors considered Freddie Prince Jr., no. Scott Speedman. Yes. Scott Speedman. <laughs> the Speed Monaissance. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> happening. Yes, he's in uh, Crimes of the Future, the new David Cronenberg And movie. that's the uh, only reason I'd see that movie. <laughs> yes. And then uh, we were just talking about the Underworlds on Mike McGuff's movies recently. Ooh, so he he yes. came up. <laughs> Friend of the pod. And uh, James Franco was also considered... And then, thank God, I'm so mad he's even in this movie. I know, (laughs) I know. And then for MJ, Alicia Witt, Mina Spari, Eliza Dushku, and Elisha Cuthbert all auditioned. Kate Hudson and Tara Reid were considered, and Kate Hudson was a heavy favorite, but decided to do the Four Feathers instead. Strong career choice. (laughs) I don't know. We're still talking about. I mean, the Four Feathers No Way Home just came out. Right. Uh, it was such a massive right? success. Right. <laughs> it brought together all three quarters of the Four Feathers universe. Exactly. <laughs> that is so weird. But you know what? Like, I think at that time, I mean, the only thing that had come out was really Blade and uh, X-Men. So like, yes. mm-hmm. I think it was kind of like thinking of, of comic books as one-offs, not seeing what it is now. So I can yes. understand her saying, I want to be considered a serious actor. I'm doing and this period piece. Right. <laughs> you essentially had like the Superman movies in the 80s, yeah. the Batman movies in the 90s. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and then Batman was such a massive hit in 89 that like, you know, other comic stuff started to happen. But for whatever reason, they didn't do like really popular characters with the kids of that era. They yeah. were doing like 1930s serial characters. Nah. So you, you get like Dick Tracy or the Phantom or the yeah. Shadow <laughs> and they were all pretty much flops. And then and then Batman and Robin comes out and it seems like, well, that's it for superhero movies. But then Blade comes out the year, a year later and kind of changes the game in terms of like adapting this kind of material. And then X-Men is two years after that. And that, that really becomes like a big blockbuster hit, mm-hmm. which leads to Spider-Man. Yes. Yeah. And then the directors, David Fincher was asked to direct, he passed. And then Chris Columbus was also offered, but opted to make Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone instead. That's a much better fit. Like, I just yeah. can't even imagine what the tone would have been for this yes. movie. Yeah, Chris Columbus, Spider-Man. I don't know. I'm not, <laughs> not But like not in 2001, it. 2000, like it almost makes sense. Almost. Yeah. Yeah, because I mean, at that point, I think Harry Potter was like his first like, big genre-y thing, I guess, with mm-hmm. fantasy and stuff. Yeah. But at that point, he was the Home Alone guy, you know? Yeah, yeah. exactly. You know, and I, I guess he had written Gremlins and the Goonies. And so there's like that, a little bit of that streak in him, which I think is present in Raimi's sensibility too. But I think he was so far removed from that at that point in time that it would just be weird if like Chris Columbus made a Spider-Man movie. <laughs> oh, man. Well, let's jump in. in. 
<laughs> Let's jump into the movie. I'm sure y'all are way more familiar with this movie than I am. So anytime you want to steer this ship, go ahead and jump in. Sure. This Titanic. <laughs> <laughs> So we start with some voiceover. <laughs> yeah, Toby's voiceover. And he says, that's not me. That's me. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Who am I? You, you sure, sure you want to know? know? The story of my life isn't for the faint of heart. You love it. I, <laughs> no, I, I love, I, I feel like this is going in the direction of like, this is all hokey and dumb, but the hokiness is, I think, a very key part of like why this movie, I think, works so well. I love all of that stuff. I think what Sam Raimi brings to the table with this first Spider-Man movie in particular is he's really bringing that like 60s and 70s kind of comic vibes, the mm -hmm. like Stanley, Steve Ditko, and then Stanley John Romita Spider-Man comics. That was like his era of comics that he grew up with, which is weird because at this point in time, the ultimate Spider-Man comics were coming out and they were like a more modern take on Spider-Man. But you had these movies coming out that were like a throwback to that sort of era that Sam Raimi grew up with. So it's like a weird dichotomy between the two. But as somebody who grew up more reading the Stanley stuff from the 60s and 70s. This fits that tone so perfectly, I think. And I don't, the movie <laughs> as a whole, I will say like, it's very, I, I think it's pretty well written. It, it's well directed. Even the effects for the time, I, I'm on board. It's all the casting that I yes. just hate. Yes. Like if any clearly 30 year old people. Yes. In high yes. <laughs> I, I do not care for Toby Maguire. Not Danielle, close your ears. I don't <laughs> care for Kirsten Dunst. I love Kirsten Dunst, but not in this movie. I mean, okay, I so there was a part where my husband's just walking through the room while I'm watching it. And it was when MJ's like, maybe I need to take acting lessons. And he goes, yeah, you do for this movie. <laughs> I just oh kept watching God. and I was like, Ooh, harsh, harsh. I don't understand <laughs> because she's such a great actor. This is like what boggles my mind when you, you can see someone be so great in other pieces. And then they, it was like, bitch, were you phoning it in? Were uh, you tired? She, what happened? No, it's because they like, shoehorned her into the MJ role instead of finding someone that like embraced that Mary Jane spirit they were just like Kirsten Dunst makes a lot of money like brings a lot of box office draw let's just throw her in there as MJ and those wigs they were terrible I I, I wasn't sure if they like dyed her hair or wigs or whatever but I was like the amount of red hair dye in this movie was that must have been the budget alone <laughs> because James Franco had like a tent and it, it was just a hot mess. I do want to take a minute to defend the casting here. Uh, okay, okay. I, I love Toby and I love you Kirsten can try. In this movie. Uh, <laughs> Good luck. I mean, to me, Toby Maguire is, you know, I think sort of a stroke of genius casting move because he was sort of an unexpected guy for the role partially at that time. You know, that, like some of the names you threw out there, like Scott Speedman, Leonardo DiCaprio. These are like people who like look like they could be like superheroes. And I think the idea of Tobey Maguire as Peter Parker being this kind of like disheveled nerd character, he is too old for the role, first off. I mean, 100%. But he's also like out of high school within the first half hour of the movie. Like it's, <laughs> they, they get true, yeah. through that stuff pretty quickly. But I think he really captures that like sense of like, he's just some kind of like meek, shy kid, not necessarily like super nerdy, like has, you know, a friend in James Franco, has sort of a rapport with Kirsten Dunst as Mary Jane Watson, but obviously she doesn't like see him that way. But at the same time, she kind of does. I mean, 
watching it again, actually, this past weekend, I was I was actually kind of struck by how much I really loved Kirsten Dunn's performance in this movie. And part of that may have just been like my crush on her that I had when nine years when I was nine, nine years old watching this. <laughs> that may have been part of it for sure. Nostalgia's Mike. <laughs> yeah, I'm part of it. But but I think you know what I like about Kirsten Dunn's performance in this movie is I feel like she brings a lot to it in terms of you know being that girl next door, sort of the object for affection for Peter Parker, and that could be a very one-dimensional role. And to a degree, it is. But I think what her performance does is she kind of shows you sort of the inner life of MJ to a certain degree that shows how she's like sort of playing into that role for appearances sake. You know, she's dating Flash Thompson, even though she kind of doesn't like him. She dates Harry, even though she kind of doesn't like him. And you kind of see that through her performance. And she's just trying to do what like society sort of expects her to do as the pretty girl, I guess. And then whenever she's talking to Peter, there's like a clear, like genuine sense of like, I I feel the romance between the two of them. I feel the chemistry. It's from Uh, a male lens. A hundred percent. That is, yeah, and totally. I know it's like one dimensional, but like Peter, the way he watches her this whole time, it, it actually made me sad rewatching it because Peter does not know Mary Jane. Mm-hmm. He has been watching oh. her and every time he watches her, it's from the lens of how he feels about her and how it makes him feel. He never sees her like the whole movie. He does not see her. He sees what he wants to see whether or not like so that makes me disappointed that that's who she ends up choosing because she goes from fuck boy to fuck boy and unfortunately spider-man is yet another fuck boy <laughs> secondly um, the actual title of this episode yes <laughs> when, when it comes to toby Maguire, the thing that never like made sense to me was spider-man in the comic books was getting hoes left and right like why are we why why are we making it seem like he is yes he was smart and you know a little off sometimes but he was not like this nerd nerd like what was this choice he you could be nerdy and cute like I don't understand there there was no appeal about him whatsoever sorry and he could not cry on, like, no what is that tear from like the middle of his eye by yeah. zine eyes he got the drops these were not real <laughs> and, so like and you're not even bringing real acting skills whatsoever so his you're not crying cute, face looked like he was smiling yeah, like i was like why are you smiling if you're sad uncle ben just died like he he's died. sadder like Awful. pulled from somewhere and i just Peter Parker has a sense of joy to him. Yeah. Like he always has like those quips and is always, no matter what the situation is, no matter how dire it seems, he brings some levity to the situation. And Tobey Maguire was so emo flat the entire time. I'm like, do you even care? Do you have emotions? Well, he, (laughs) I could just say this, Tobey Maguire wasn't giving me Queens. So that was another thing. As a New Fair. Yorker, this movie, I side-eyed a lot of things. <laughs> One being when he told Uncle Ben he was going to the yep. downtown library. Downtown where, bitch? That is the main, the, the main branch. That's the New York library. <laughs> Nobody calling that shit downtown. That's Midtown, bitch. What is this? And then <laughs> Uncle Ben drives him from deep out in Queens to Midtown. Yeah. And I guess they don't talk the whole hour and 20 minutes that would take. I know we normally go through the movie, but it's just like, it's Spider-Man. If you haven't yeah. fucking seen this movie, I just want to 
I will talk about some more shit that I've seen okay. in this movie because it just <laughs> irritated me. The way that Spider-Man, like Tobey Maguire read, I must be an angry teenager in this moment in the car. It was so bad. Like Uncle Ben was oh, just trying to be so kind and, and just said, but like when he said he was 63, it's so funny how different 63 looked then and how it looks now. I was like, yeah. bitch, look old. <laughs> <laughs> Both him and Aunt May are ancient. Uh, in yes. Movie. Yes. I was uh, like, great, I think. I mean, 70, but 63. <laughs> you know, we, we've talked a lot about the casting of Toby and Kirsten, but I think overall, I mean, you know, the, aside from the James Franco of it all, I do think the casting of this movie is still very solid. I mean, you got J.K. Simmons as J. Jonah Jameson, which yeah. is- Oh my, great. Perfect. You know, perfect, yes. unbelievable. There's a reason they brought him back at the MCU because like nobody else can play that character. There's a reason they didn't even ca- try to cast him in the Andrew Garfield movies because they were like, we can't do anything. <laughs> you know, he's great. I love I love all the stuff that Daily Bugle with like that, like just very quick paced, um, mm-hmm. you know, sort of like 1940s screwball comedy-esque kind of thing going on. You have Bill Nunn and Elizabeth Banks and Ted Raimi all kind of in there as like the group there. That's a lot of fun, you know, and, and Willem Dafoe is one of the great scenery chewing villains <laughs> all hail saint like Willem. unbelievable Correct. and to the degree where like he kind of gets the most focus in no way home when he comes back in the new one and he kills it again i mean he's yeah. just unbelievable yeah, <laughs> yeah. i do want to say that after no way home came out everybody had like willem dafoe you know content pictures and stuff like that yeah there was a picture of willem dafoe now his age now like recent in like streetwear, urban wear. And I was like, eh, <laughs> no, yes. no, Danielle. I no, was Danielle. just in this picture, just no. in this picture. For a moment, I had a Willem Dafoe. What the fuck is happening right now? It was a thirst. He yeah. had a swagger to him that I was very confused. I like, can't. Why is this happening? It's Willem Dafoe. He looks unhinged. He's got a supreme confidence that you're just like, yeah, okay. But I liked it. I don't, I, I had a moment and I am brave enough to share it. So thank you. Thank you for opening up with us. <laughs> yeah, but what, what does make this movie really work for me the most is honestly Sam Raimi's direction. Mm-hmm. And, you know, everything that kind of comes together with that. I mean, Sam Raimi, I, I think, understands the character of Spider-Man more so than anybody else who's worked on them, except for perhaps the Spider-Verse people, the people who mm-hmm. look into the Spider-Verse, which yes. rules. But, you know, I, I think what Sam Raimi brings to the table is a sense of visual style that is, I think, extremely lacking in the last, like, 10 years of superhero blockbusters. I think there's a handful that I would say look pretty good but Sam Raimi brings just such an energy to his camera and the way it moves around and uh, the epic Danny Elfman score that kicks in and I think all the action sequences and all three of his movies are very good and I think in this one especially there are moments that have just stuck with me for years this was like my gateway Sam Raimi movie because I'm a huge (laughs) Sam Raimi fan and you know I saw the Evil Dead movies as a teenager became obsessed with those and then I kind of dug back into his filmography and pretty much watched everything but this movie has that one moment where the goblin throws his pumpkin bomb and hits the Oscar corp executives and they all turn into skeletons and then they all turn into dust yeah like scene. that moment that moment scarred me as a child and <laughs> i i don't remember Stuck like with me i didn't remember that scene so when i saw it again the holler laugh that yes. came out <laughs> when i rewatched it i was like was, was someone in a wheelchair yes so. i was like oh look at it because my brain went is that a wheelchair oh they're being inclusive 
oh, they're all skeletons. Like it was <laughs> just <laughs> rapid fire, like just single thoughts in my brain during that scene. But also, the important thing is Macy Gray survived. Yeah, right? Macy, <laughs> Macy Gray was fine. Um, yes, they also, should have brought her back in No Way Home, actually. <laughs> exactly. I was just like, why is he throwing Pokemon balls out like that? <laughs> That's all I kept thinking. And when we talk about inclusivity, I do have to say, you are filming in Queens in New York City. I don't see anything that I would see in Queens. No, no black, no Asian, no Hispanic, really. It was just like white, 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 white. And yeah. I, I if if they're there, they're like background extras. For yeah, yeah. That's well, that, the, that's the like the fakeness of yes diversity in the background, but like what the hell was that? Yeah, uh, the the teacher was black and the teacher looked younger than fucking Flash. Black Who crack. casted him yeah. as a high school student? Yeah, Joe Magnio- Magniello. Did I say it right? Manganello, I, I think. Manganello, as Flash Mangan- Thompson. Yeah. Yes. He, I wouldn't um, want to fight him either. He, <laughs> that whole fight scene in the school where Flash is pissed. Yeah. Cinematic like, masterpiece. Yeah. I know. <laughs> I'm just like, this is going on way too long because it's all in slow-mo, how Peter's perceiving it. I'm like, do we have to bend over backwards again, Peter? Can we just be done with this scene? <laughs> I love okay. So can we talk about what made them decide for this version of Spider-Man to have his webs to like be shooting out of his body like that? I can, I can answer this actually. So th- there's actually a reason behind this because obviously in the comics he has like mechanical web shooters and in this movie he doesn't. It's organic webs that come out of his body. The reason being the military uh, oh, got involved yeah. and didn't want, they they like actually like contacted Sony and the filmmakers and stuff and told them that they couldn't do mechanical web shooters because they didn't want the implication that a teenager could create better technology than the military could essentially. What kind of bullshit? Because they make the goblin glider thing. They also do the goblin glider thing and all that oh kind of stuff. So goodness. yeah, they they didn't want, you know, the idea that like some kid in Queens or whatever could create like, you know, this incredible web slinging technology and stuff. Meanwhile, the military like can't come up with that or whatever it was. Like the military got involved and kind of shut that down. And so they had to rewrite the movie in order to make it organic web shooters. Well, fuck? and I, I love in No Way Home where they kind of like call yeah. them out on that. And they're like, <laughs> do, on that, yeah. do you run out? Like, how do you... <laughs> It just how do you make it? <laughs> yeah. but I always I always kind of like the organic shooters just as like you know an extra Spider-Man power that this movie throws in there. You it know? just but, makes me think he's skizzing all over the place. It's, yes, I mean, yeah. that's, that, that's, a, that's a definitive. That, that's definitely an aspect of Spider-Man that you can like read into throughout the entire history. Yes. Like, that's, yes. Specifically, that scene when uh, Aunt May's like, "Oh, you're acting very strange," and then yeah. he turns around and his room is covered in covered in webs. Yeah, covered in webs. Uh, quotes. Exactly uh, the kind of joke that Sam Raimi would do. Also. Absolutely. But yeah, but they, it's, it's always been like a metaphor for like going through puberty, and so right. that's you know, an aspect of it. which would make more sense if he was in a thirty year old man like yeah yeah there's a You're there's asking- a weird like body horror aspect to this because i don't know in the comics like how they ever explain like why spider-man can climb walls and stuff but in this i guess he's just covered in spider legs right like I they show that one close-up <laughs> yeah i literally wrote i hate the hairy finger barbs like yeah. 
the extreme close-up of them coming out of his skin and just being little barbs. <laughs> no, thank you. I did not need that in my life. Yeah, and also kind of in that scene or later on in that scene, when he's kind of testing out his web shooter and then he finally like hits the crane. Mm-hmm. So Peter is a smart kid and his first instinct is let me put my whole body weight on this web that I'm just shot out of my body and jump off the roof of a building and hope that it like doesn't yeah. break. I mean, he's a smart kid, but he's still a kid. Because yeah, <laughs> he's, he's a 30 year old man. Yeah. <laughs> it does seem worse that way. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he is old, old for the part for sure. But again, he's out of high school within the first half hour. So I, I feel like it's they know it, the movie knows that I think he and every, all the high school kids are way too old for it and <laughs> skip the high school stuff pretty quick. But they get that's through it. what I loved about, I loved Spider-Man being in high school. And I think I like the other movies that the last group of movies that they try to, you know, they're in high school for the three movies. I it's love that. Yeah. yeah. Because they, you know, I hated that they try to just skate by so fast into him being an adult because those are some of the fun storylines of, of Spider-Man, like balancing, you know, sure. his life. And so I was just like, oh, this sucks. Yeah. And I think, and I think the, uh, the balance of Spider-Man's life kind of plays more into Spider-Man 2, which is why yeah. it's the greatest movie ever made. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but also I think the stuff that Raimi is drawing from with this movie specifically and screenwriter David Coe, I should credit him as well. You know, they're drawing from those 60s uh, Spider-Man comics. And if you actually read those, like he's out of high school within the first 30 issues and he's like in college for the rest of it. Like I, yeah. I have it. I mentioned this in the podcast every once in a while, but I had a Marvel unlimited subscription and I've been trying to just read everything from the beginning, which right. will take me my entire life. Uh, <laughs> It's, it's basically impossible to do, but I'm right now somewhere in the middle of my 1975. I've read like 150 Spider-Man comics and he's still in college, but he's been in college for like 120 of those issues. <laughs> and the, and the ultimate Spider-Man comics are the ones where they actually like spend a lot of time with him in high school. Like yeah. they're there. That's like, and so that's the stuff where it was like Spider-Man being a high school student, I think kind of became a thing around this time through the comics. And then, you know, they kind of start to lift from that, especially with the Andrew Garfield ones. And then obviously much more with the Tom Holland ones. Yeah. Which, I mean, even if they had focused on them being in college, it, it didn't, they, they didn't seem like they were in school at all either. Like no. they said they were going to be in college, but it yes. just seemed like they were all just in their twenties working and stuff. It just felt yeah. like yeah. disconnected. Also much more of a thing in Spider-Man 2, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. This movie really, if you think about it, is kind of like a, like a utopian artifact of when young people are uh, potentially 18 or 19 could like live in Manhattan uh, yeah. and like have work a freelance photography job. Yeah. Although like, granted, I guess what's his name's uh, Norman Osborne is paying for that. I was going to say, but... if, you, if your best friend happens to be the head of a major corporation, right. like, yeah, that's you know, true, it's, a, it's a little bit easier. <laughs> that's not you're, you're right. Yeah, good and how, how much are these two best friends? Like, let's talk about it because we see in the beginning that Peter is obsessed with Mary Jane living next door to him or whatever. Right. And I think it's weird that they've lived next door. I would have loved it more if they had like a friendship. She mm-hmm. was friend zoning him, but they had a friendship. But in the beginning of the movie, it just seems as if she doesn't even know he exists. And I'm like, bitch, he sees your daddy yelling at you every night. You know, he yeah. exists. Like, it's what very is strange. This? 
yeah, yeah. so I think that plays into like her kind of trying to act the role of like you know being the popular girl or whatever but I think she's not like she's the one who gets him to stop the bus to allow him on the bus yeah that's true you know, so is that. but but he like they just the way that they engage she does like try to stick up for him but it would have been cooler if it was like everyone kind of knew that Mary Jane knew him like they're neighbors and they've grown they've known each other forever it was just kind of disconnected so by the time we get to the end of the movie she's like I love you I was like bitch when like I was <laughs> very confused with that yeah and then when it comes to Harry you know he begrudgingly goes to the school because he's the rich kid and and he tries to right. like cool it down because he doesn't want them to make fun of him and he's cool with Peter but he knows Mary he knows Peter's love Mary Jane forever and he's like all right I'm gonna go for it though bruh and then he hides the relationship when he finally gets her and then acts weird or upset when she chooses it. I'm like, you did a bitch ass thing. Yeah. Well, yeah, and no, he's, Harry's a shitty friend. Like, yeah. <laughs> he's like literally steal Peter's lines from him at the field trip. Yes. Whereas like Peter's like, here's this fun fact about spiders. And then yes. Harry's like, hey, MJ, want to hear a fun fact about spiders? Yeah. It's like, dude. I do that. Like, it's very funny where he's like, who would want to know that? And then he goes yeah. up to her and says the exact same thing. <laughs> yeah. And like, it kind of works. It's very yeah, funny. yeah. She's like, oh, Mm-mm. no, thank you. <laughs> I do like the, the only moment that showed that like Mary Jane had some sense about her was when she was the one who counted that the spiders were not right. Like there's yeah. no missing. And I was like, yeah. okay, I, I there's a glimmer. <laughs> I do love just like how, I guess, like, yolo peter parker is where they're literally at a spider thing where we just mentioned one's missing and he gets bit by a spider and he's just like i'm not gonna mention it man <laughs> it's, like, fine. it's fine yeah you know, what are the odds what? that it's the missing spider <laughs> what could go and wrong that spider is literally bright blue and bright red which apparently they hand painted they put the spider under anesthesia it was a real oh spider God. and they hand painted him for his wow. scene in this movie wow. paid actor the spider the spider right the real sag <laughs> But I do love that. I mean, I do love that scene and the way they visualize that too, where then it's just, you know, Peter kind of having these like weird nightmare vision, oh, yeah. you know, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> and, you know, I, I think one of the things that bugs me about the other, like the Andrew Garfield ones, I think do a really poor job of telling the origin of Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the Tom Holland ones just skip it entirely, Yeah, which I think was praised by some people at the time. I always felt like that was kind of a cheat a little bit where it was like, I feel like we we need to have some like element of tragic backstory in Spider-Man's life in order to like understand like what he's doing, what's going on. And so I think this one is the one that like really kind of gets the origin right. And but so I, I set the te- set the template for the rest of them. But I think because they did it so well in this one and what I think happened with the second Andrew Garfield movie was that it was so heavily compared to the first Tobey Maguire movies mm-hmm. that sure. it didn't have a chance to breathe. So I think that, that's yeah. why they changed so many elements and the, the newer ones. 
Like, and the same thing with this new Batman. One of the reasons I loved the new Batman was that I did not have to go through this shit again. Daddy yes. and mommy get shot up in the corner. Like, I did. I did like the fake out of the Batman where it seems like you're about to see it again at the beginning, yeah. and it turns out it's a different family that's getting shot. Yeah, because yeah. at this point we've seen it. Like you said, these comic book characters have been around since the '60s. Let's pull some new stories. We know right. who Spider-Man is at this point. I don't need to see Uncle Ben die again. That shit is traumatic already. Sure. Yes. So, well, maybe I, I, I not in the like Amazing Spider-Man. Yeah. <laughs> Uncle, over. Uncle Ben dies because of chocolate milk in the Amazing Spider-Man. So let's talk about this scene. That's my background. Where <laughs> oh, so, yeah. so Peter comes up with a plan because he sees MJ is very impressed with the Flash's new car. What kind of car is it, Danielle? A, 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 I think a it's what? a Corvette. I don't no, know. It's like a PC Cruiser kind of looking thing. Is it's it a Plymouth Prowler. <laughs> I don't know. Was it black? <laughs> it was, was it silver. silver? Okay. <laughs> That's the uh, question you should ask. What color was it? <laughs> so like MJ, I think just she wants so desperately to be out of her lot in life. And that's kind of why she goes after these rich himbo guys. And so Peter's like, well, I guess I need a, a nicer car than Uncle Ben's Oldsmobile, which apparently is the same Oldsmobile Sam Raimi uses in all of his movies. Yes, it's, a, it's Ash's movie. car from the Evil Dead movies. You can recently see it in Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness kind of floating in the air at one point. <laughs> So Peter sees this ad and it's like, earn $3,000 if you can last three minutes in a ring with Bonesaw. Is that his Bonesaw. name? Bonesaw. <laughs> <laughs> Played oh, by I... Macho Man Randy Savage. <laughs> Snap into a Slim Jim. <laughs> can we yes, talk tell about us. this scene where Peter is like daydreaming about, like he's adding up MJ plus car. Plus, this will mean I have MJ. Like, can we talk about that? Because I was, I looked down for a second, I swear. And I looked up and I was like, what the fuck is this? (laughs) I just like, like, I was just, (laughs) I was just in wonderment of all of the prices of the cars. Yes. Yes. (laughs) At that time, it's like $4,000 for like a Renault. And I'm like, in what? In what world? <laughs> yes, in this like Spider Verse, <laughs> like it, it was crazy. But yeah, so that was his major plan: money equals car equals MJ. Right. That was the equation in his head. Step so forward, he, profit. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so he goes to this like underground wrestling situation. Yeah, we where see Octavia his, Spencer is there. Yes. yes. <laughs> So Peter has lots of sketches about his uniform, his suit, <laughs> and then comes out in, in sweatpants, <laughs> spray painted with a spider on it, yeah. and a balaclava to cover his face. Like, what yeah. is, what are we doing here? I think it's realistically what a high school student could put together on short notice for this kind of thing. That is you fair. <laughs> but his sketches did not represent, like... If he was that artistic in his sketch with sketches, I feel like he's a really he good been, artist. He <laughs> was perfect Spider-Man. Exactly. It's like he's read the comics before. <laughs> <laughs> and so 
we see Bonesaw throwing people out of the ring. No one's lasting more than like a couple of seconds. And then Peter goes into the ring and they pull down the cage. Yes. Why? Why is he the cage match? (laughs) I think it it was randomly selected. I think it was one of those things where it's like, ah, you know, a cage match is coming down, whatever it is. But also I think people just wanted to see this kid get destroyed by Bonesaw. And also Bruce Campbell's there and absolutely killing it as the the ring announcer. Which, which, yes, because I have never, okay, disclosure, I've never seen the Evil Dead movies. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, movies. They're great. So my comment on Bruce Campbell being there is, oh, look, it's Coach Boomer, because that's who he played in Sky High. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I mean, hey, that's, you know, that, that's, that's a reference point also, you know. Yeah. Sam, Another superhero sure. movie. Did Sam yes. Raimi have anything to do with like the Xena show or, or yes. Hercules? Raimi produced both of those shows. Okay. That made all the, the cameos make sense Yeah, because Lucy Lawless pops up in this too yes, also. Yes, And Tower I was like, hands, that makes sense hot. to me. Yeah. Oh my God. Okay. So How I did looked- I never realize that's Lucy Lawless? <laughs> <laughs> Wait a second. I mean, she's got like the punk kind of look going on. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. like what she usually looks like, yeah. So, uh, but, she, but she was also in the, uh, the Astros <laughs> Red TV show as well. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah, I love that. This whole scene, the whole like, like, you know, Bruce Campbell being the one to give him the name, like, yes. you know, human spider, yeah. that sucks. Yeah. Uh, it's He's like, like that's not my name. <laughs> <laughs> he's just pushed out there. Uh, and it's actually, I mean, if you look at the special features behind the scenes, it's actually like Sam Raimi, like throwing popcorn and shit at, uh, at Spider-Man, <laughs> which it's funny, like watching some of like, because a lot of the fun that you see in the behind the scenes, like Sam Raimi really loved to torture Tobey Maguire just by hitting him with stuff off screen. I like so- that. So when you see like, like in that. Spider-Man 2, there's like the scene where he drops his book and you see like Sam Raimi just like whack him with a backpack yeah. <laughs> and it's pretty incredible. But he's like, yeah, throwing popcorn and stuff at him in this scene. It's pretty fun. I feel like he deserved every second of it. I wonder while <laughs> like while he was shooting this, shooting this movie is if he was like doing those backroom poker. That's possible. Uh, yeah. the, the stuff Molly's, that Molly's game style. Game. Yeah. 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 Yeah, which I don't know if Mike knows what we're talking about. Do you know what we're talking about? I, do, I remember Molly's game. Okay, yeah. Yeah, Michael, so, Michael Sarah is like the Tobey Maguire analog in, in Molly's oh, game. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Yes. Makes yeah. Sense. Who like shuts down the entire thing. Amazing. <laughs> yeah, there's so, the only like one like problematic, like homophobic joke in this scene. Is. That's yes. like, man, yes. man, if that wasn't in this, this is a 10 out of like 10 out of 10 <laughs> yeah. moment. But I guess- Well, it was... does not pass the Bechdel test. I can tell you that much. Who the fuck is Mary Jane talking to? Aunt May? Aunt May? <laughs> <laughs> the two women in New York. You know? Yeah. I think Lucy they said something like past the turkey or something. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so now Peter's kind of honed his craft. And in this scene, it, it sets the catalyst for the rest of the movie. So Peter's only paid $100 because he knocked out Bonesaw in two minutes instead of three. Yeah, so the ring the ring guy shafts him, basically. Yes, yeah. exactly. He should have read the rules. <laughs> should have just hung up on the ceiling for like another minute, you know? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. just Seven like bucks. snatch, web snatch that stack of bills out of his hand. Right, like, I would have taken it. Yeah, so then the guy is just like robbed at his desk in his establishment that that robber was pretty ballsy yeah yeah and there's like yeah, a bunch a, of other people in that room yes yeah. <laughs> yes but and so it's... but but 
Peter is salty because he only got a hundred dollars. So he's like, not my problem. Sorry about it. And then this line, this line is the only, like the times when Peter is like being sassy and we see it in the third movie. Those are the only times that I see glimmers of light in his eyes as an actor. Yeah. (laughs) I'm just. The the little smirk he's got when he says it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And I think I, I, what I like about the scene too, is I feel like Peter is like totally justified in letting the guy go after the yeah. guy like 100%. Uh, shafted him, you know, and, and then it like backfires on Peter so hard because yeah. obviously uncle Ben dies right afterwards. And I think that is like the ultimate, like, you know, the, obviously the, the catchphrase of the movie with great power comes great responsibility. Like, I feel like it drives that point home so well, because like anybody who watches that scene would be like, yeah, Peter was in the right. Like, you know, yeah. Like shitty that guy got robbed, but like also he was just really shitty to Peter. So like, you know, kind of evens out. And then, you know, because Peter responded, like I think a normal person would respond, you know, Uncle Ben pays for it, which is kind of crazy. Why would Uncle, okay, this is one thing we didn't discuss. Peter has been the nerdiest nerd of all nerds for his whole life. And I'm sure Uncle Ben and Aunt May have had to go to to school to pick him up because he's gotten his ass beat time and time again. Mm -hmm. So you're telling me, your boy been acting weird all and all of a sudden and now he has been in, he got in trouble for kicking the ass of his oppressors and now you want to roll up to the downtown library and tell me my nerdy ass with great power comes great responsibility what fucking great power uncle ben i've been getting my ass beat for years i just I found this power right yeah. I mean, like, he's, I, I think Uncle is Ben this? is trying to tell him that, you know, he tells him like, he, this is the, these are the years that a man becomes the man he's going to be and all that kind of stuff. But I, I think part of that is like, he's seeing a change in Peter and he doesn't really know what. He's just trying to like, you know, kind of cover all his bases, I think, by saying something like that. And obviously it kind of Peter takes it to heart. But yeah, he really like, you know, Peter was a pretty good kid and, you know, he would help them paint the the kitchen uh, once upon a time, but now he's not kind of thing. And <laughs> I, I sort of, I really like the like kind of inner life stuff you get with Uncle Ben and Aunt May in, the, in that first half hour too, where you find out like Uncle Ben's been laid off from his job and he's like looking through the paper trying to find something, but he's old now. It's like, he's not, Computer it's not likely that he's going to get him a job. Computer yeah, exactly. salesman. Even the computers need analysts these days. You know, <laughs> you, you get the sense. I mean, I think both it's because Cliff Robertson and Rosemary Harris are both terrific actors. It feels like a very lived in relationship. Yeah. Uh, which I like. Mm-hmm. I just want to shout out to my mom for telling me not to take shit from nobody. And if I got in trouble for beating ass, she would not be lecturing me about bullshit. Thank <laughs> you, mommy. Because nice. ridiculous. Peter deserved to beat their ass. And the oh, fact yeah. that everyone was looking at him weird don't make no sense to me. <laughs> I think because it was such a weird change from the Peter Parker yeah. they thought they knew kind of thing is, is part of it too. Yeah. Uh, also because he's doing backflips and shit all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah. Catching all the food on the tray. Like yeah. why, why was Hilarious. MJ not side-eyeing? They did that yeah. for real though, which is yeah. the fucked up part. Yeah, that yeah. is. Yes. Yeah. It only took like over a hundred <laughs> takes. Yeah, but they did it. They got it. Um, so meanwhile while peter is honing his craft at the underground wrestling i thought you were going to say underground railroad (laughs) (laughs) that's a different movie movie. (laughs) norman osborne who is harry's father 
own is a mad scientist, if you will, and is experimenting <laughs> on himself. <laughs> He's going through a metamorphosis himself. He is, which I do love the parallels between the two of them, both mm-hmm. going through very big changes and just how differently they handle these new powers. Yes. I, but my question, when when Norman's in that clean room getting gassed, mm-hmm. why is the clean room so giant? You could use less product if that room was smaller. <laughs> but you see, big smoke is cool. So <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. And it's they like odd angles. They needed it to be big so that they could have that scene where the guy gets his ass like beaten in that room with him. He true. gets killed. Yes. He's murdered, Danielle. Right, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, Semantics. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Willem Dafoe like breaks the glass, jumps up, does like ah, and does his thing. It's great. Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> and I yeah. love that how they show the difference between like Norman and the Green Goblin is just to give him t- regular teeth. Yeah. And then the Green Goblin <laughs> teeth are his actual teeth. <laughs> yep. They're so the good. bad guy teeth. <laughs> I love the scene in the mirror. I I could say I could shit on a lot of stuff in this movie, but that scene alone was just impeccable acting and direction. Acting against himself. uh, Yeah. Yeah. And I was actually thinking about it watching it this time too, where I was like, it's kind of weird that this came out the same year as Two Towers, uh, which has a similar scene where it's Gollum and Smeagol arguing against themselves. And it and it's the same kind of thing where the camera angles like kind of flipping back and forth to show the different like personalities kind of uh, attacking each other kind of thing, which I thought was cool. But I I was also thinking to myself, like right before he talks to the mirror, part of that scene is just him talking to a chair with a mask on it. Yes. And I was thinking to myself, like. They shot this and it's just a chair with a mask on it. Like they just shot a chair for like a minute. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. And and there's like no other camera movement to it. But because you have Willem Dafoe's voiceover like added onto it, it feels very dynamic and sinister. Yes. yes. <laughs> but it's just a chair. <laughs> he has to be one of the best, I would say, comic book villains on screen that yeah, ever. Yeah. It just... And it's just and the thing is, it's not even the the character or the powers. It's him as an him. actor. Yeah, and uh, it's just I I was surprised how immersed I was in his character rewatching the movie. Yeah, he but, also but- did over ninety percent of his stunts. He did almost all of his own stunts. And then that Green Goblin cost, it was composed of 580 pieces and took a half an hour to put on Jesus. every day. <laughs> Shit. Yeah. But, you know, these days they would just CGI the entire thing and it wouldn't look as yeah. good, you know? Yeah. 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 Not, not that the costume even looks particularly good, but it's like fun because <laughs> Willem Dafoe's in it, you know? So how yeah. did they do the costume in the new movie? You know, wonder. they didn't, they didn't really, they gave him like a he's hood. sweatpants a lot. He's, yeah. like, he's like sweatpants oh, and a hood right. in the new movie. That's yeah. Right. He, yeah. He's like he not even wearing get- a mask. He doesn't get his costume ever when he, at the very when he first end. shows up. I think when he first shows up, he has like his traditional, like the old school costume, but he like abandons it pretty quick. He smashes the mask. When, I, re- right. I, I rewatched No Way Home pretty yeah. recently. When he's um, without May, that whole scene in the, the apartment. I think he, he just has the glider on or yeah. like he's using the glider, but he's not in full He's just costume. in sweatpants. It's kind of late. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Defoe's killing it, but it's, he's just like, you know, he's just in, a, in sweatpants, which is, and it was also kind of bummed that they didn't do practical tentacles for Doc Ock in the new movie too, like they did in Spider-Man too, because that would have been cool. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty nuts that that Marvel has basically been chasing this villain for the last 20 years. Like yes. that's notoriously yeah. been their thing. 
to the point they just brought him back. <laughs> They're like, yeah. please. I, I, think, I think the MCU largely has a pretty big villain problem where like a lot of them are pretty unmemorable. And, you know, you look back at this one and like, really, I think all three of these movies, with the exception of Tover Grace's Venom, who I think is pretty actively bad in Spider-Man 3. Um, mm-hmm. But I think you have Defoe in this movie, Alfred Molina in Spider-Man 2, and Thomas Hayden Church as Sandman in Spider-Man 3. I think all deliver like really compelling performances. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I'm very memorable in them. That's why Topher Grace didn't get us back. Yeah, <laughs> probably, well, I mean, we yeah. haven't we have a new Venom now. We have Tom Hardy, and That's you know th- those movies are bad, but he's great in them. <laughs> <You know? laughs> no, it's like, it balances out. <laughs> um, <laughs> so very quickly after, like Peter. Well, I guess so. They show graduating to show that time has passed after Ben yeah. has died. <laughs> like age, yeah. just like okay, I'm graduating. I'm grown moves to new york with harry norman that's his name right norman norman norman's bankrolling them but and peter has a job but he's fired because he's late all the time like you literally can swing to work like how are you late he was the the last time he was late was because he was trying to holla at mj knowing I, i think in this scene he finds out that MJ is with, with his boy, his mm-hmm. fucking roommate. You can't even yeah. have the the like cojones to tell me right? where are y'all fucking because it's not in this house. <laughs> and Danielle, um, did you recognize the diner she walks out of, the Moonlight Diner? Yes. Tick tick boom, and why, also from real why? life, but it was in tick tick boom. <laughs> it was in tick tick boom, but also it was where Monica worked. I, on friends, friends. Mm-hmm. but also it's in new york so, well, yeah. <laughs> i don't live in new york i never lived in new york and yeah. i just know it's where she met i didn't Pete. know when you asked the question i didn't know you were going to reference something i just thought you're like oh did you see that in new york and i was like yes and yeah. then you were continuing so i was like what's happening right now and that's not like, there anymore right and that's, then that i panicked because i was yeah. like is this a special jackie danielle place that i forgot did we go God. there so I had a lot of emotions. Did we have a big happening. friendship moment? <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, fuck. I got real nervous, like a husband forgetting the anniversary. But yes, Did we Monica, meet for the first friend. time at this time? <laughs> <laughs> but I could bring it around to the MCU because that's where she meets Pete, played by Jon Favreau. You right. Is that the Whoa. Moonlight Diner? Full hey, circle moment. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. In Friends. In oh, Friends. in Friends. Yes. yes. Okay. I got you now. I was like, follow along there. <laughs> There's too many peeps, but keep up, keep up. Uh, so now uh, it's some weird parade. They have a Rastafarian like balloon. I I don't and, and Macy Gray's performing, like we said. And yeah. which rules should have brought her back for <laughs> for <Noel. laughs> I really, I really would have loved the reveal that Macy Gray knew who Peter Parker was the whole time. And that's why she got hundred percent. The whole thing about the military base. So that suit that the military was trialing, not great, pretty cumbersome, <laughs> right? But is it, shut it down. <laughs> but that's the people they want to go with. Right. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's true. The general, I think, has like a personal grudge against Norman because he said like, nothing so would bring, make me happier to put Norman, like put Oscorp yes. out of business or whatever. Yes. But the, but no context after that. No. Not like he stole my girl in college. Nothing. Like I don't he think just... we even need it. We know Norman's a dick. So like that would fair. make sense. He has He's a crazy enemies. Person. Yeah. So did, why did 
why yeah why did norman blow that up was he trying to steal that tech did he have his own tech he's eliminating the competition because he wants them to go after to use their stuff because but did they develop a suit they developed the weird gas that they're after the serum right so were they trying to make the super soldier serum or something equivalent it's it's possible i mean i don't think they could probably legally say anything like that at this point in time in 2002 so it's possible they were trying to go for something like that but i think it may have just been more just like you know superpower suit like (laughs) you know i kind of love that sort of aspect about this movie too like the way it sort of fits into the like we were talking about before kind of spawning mcu and all those kind of stuff because there's like easter eggs in in this movie that it's when like Easter eggs were Easter eggs and not hints at sequels. Cause there's a mm-hmm. moment at the right. beginning toward, towards the beginning when they're in the daily bugles office and Bill Nunn is like, Oh yeah, we got Brock trying to take pictures of it. And he's like, he's yeah. talking yeah. about Eddie Brock. And that's just yes. like a fun thing. If you have read the comics. Right. right. And then, but, and then he gets hired in Spider-Man three. So yeah. when you see this movie, it's like, what? Any, right. any yeah. works there already? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. And then, so like, I sort of feel like the, the, like whatever super soldier theorem or whatever they're working on the performance enhancers or whatever yeah. they call them at this. It's kind of like wink, wink at that stuff. I think at this point in in the movie he's already like obviously full green goblin he's already killed the mm-hmm. lab assistant dude he kills the general in this so i think he's just he's just gone psychopath by this point you know yeah. and yeah. and it's soon thereafter that the board votes him out and essentially fires him correct yeah yes yes, yes. it's really and then, because he eliminated that stuff they are going to go with oscorp i think but oscorp's yeah. board is like this guy's a liability we need to get rid of him. yeah and so then that's when he full goes green goblin like yeah you know how much I sacrifice? <laughs> wow. It's like he was here with us on the Zoom. It, it is. Willem Dafoe, are you here with us? Papa, Papa can you hear me? <laughs> I do want to say that it it was hard watching the movie because the sets, all I could think about was the Spider-Man ride in Universal. Yep. Every, every time I saw like an aerial shot or anything, I was like, yeah. I just felt like this yeah yeah because <laughs> that's what the spider-man right yeah it's so yeah. weird the things that like stick with you when you see a movie when you're a certain age right not to give it away um, <laughs> undisclosed age. yeah an undisclosed age the the at the the one shot at like the world unity Day thing when everything's already happening and, and spider-man shows up right and he like bounces on the kangaroo balloon that one for some reason for 20 years i don't know why <laughs> that has stuck out to me a lot and i just wanted everybody to know that i, we appre- I appreciate this is a safe that. space we yeah, appreciate thank you. it yes one of the things that stuck out to me also is when like the green goblin and spider like has like captured spider-man and he kind of just like leans against the wall and is like yeah. we're not so different you and i <laughs> just being real casual with him yeah. i'm something of a super person myself <laughs> makes me laugh like all the things that are memes now from this movie and it's mm-hmm. just like but when originally what like in the beginning when peter gets bit i was just like yo he had covid dog because <laughs> that is what that, that, I those are some like. rough symptoms yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's what i look like when i had covid like when he just like walked up the stairs and pulled that blanket and was like, this the is a wrap. Yeah. And, well, and, and when he like walks in, he's like, I have to go lay down. And they're like, do you want food? He's like, I need to lay down. Like he was just like, goodbye, everyone. <laughs> yes. Goodbye, cruel world. But okay. So 
what movie is this a mandela effect who got bit on the neck by a spider bit on the neck you know what i thought i I, I thought about that too i was like oh he's gonna get bit in the neck and then it was on his hand and i was like what was that that that, That that might be the garfield movie okay the the andrew garfield movie not the garfield the cat movie (laughs) Um, (laughs) he got bit while eating lasagna (laughs) yes yeah that might be the amazing spider-man it might also you might be thinking the spider-verse maybe maybe spider-verse is on the arm too actually i'm not sure i have a vivid memory and i've only I did watch Amazing Spider-Man recently, but it was for the first time and this feels more ingrained. Mm, Okay, the Garfield ones, eh. But I have a vivid memory of the spider dropping down, biting him on the neck, and then him like reaching back the next day and webs are on his hand. Oh. Yeah, I mean, that might be the Amazing Spider-Man. It could also be, there was, after this movie came out, Mm -hmm. uh, there was, you know how the MTV Movie Awards used to do like parodies? I remember Jack Black hosted that year and I believe there was a Spider-Man parody and it might okay. have been that. <laughs> well, I, I just, I don't know where it came from, but it is deeply rooted in my memory, much like bouncing off the kangaroo balloon for Mike. <laughs> <laughs> was there a reggae, like a- Yes, okay. a Rastafarian balloon. Yeah, I was like, what the dress. fuck is this? Yeah, I mean, this this parade, it's weird because like this movie takes place around Thanksgiving. They could have done the Thanksgiving Day Parade. I don't think they had the rights, the legal rights to do it. Probably not, yeah. So but it also- it, Day. They kind of make up a holiday like where it's, you know, several different cultures, I think, you know, expressing their own. So. But it also gave me vibes of 1989 Batman. Sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then does. it also gave me vibes- of Detective Pikachu, where they had all the Pika- the Pokemon balloons. Yeah, like it was yeah. just like a weird balloons type situation. Right. And more movies should be about weird balloons. You know? it sh- <laughs> they should. When you get down to it. Yeah. Because I enjoy both of those movies a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so during the World Unity Day is when Green Goblin kind of makes his his debut yes and and fuck shit up mj of course is always in peril and i guess kristen dunce did say that like she annoyed herself with how much like screaming and just damsel yeah. in distress She's there very was. much damsel distress and i think all three of these movies i'm trying to think yeah. about three it's... but i'm pretty sure yeah which is kind of a factor in all the spider-mans i think zendaya gets more to do as like a dynamic a more dynamic character in the mcu stuff but yeah you know that's also a de- there's a, de- a degree of that in her character in those movies too i mean you mm-hmm. have the, uh, the sequence in no way everybody's seen no way home i'm guessing yes yeah okay yeah you have the scene where she falls down the you know the thing and andrew garfield's the one who has to save her and all that kind of stuff but she definitely has more she's a more active member of like the spider team yes Uh, she she's attempting to help yes she's throwing rolls at people (laughs) ned's grandma's house yes (laughs) that's one of the reasons why i loved the blade movie so much was because the female character in that movie like she had to get saved but she had no powers she got thrown into this world and she was able to just like take care of herself and figure shit out Mm -hmm. yeah and I I love when I can see roles like that because women would never just like lay in the corner and Help cry. Me. Yeah, yeah, like you know, I right. can't depend like, on no man for shit. Yeah. I had a little wet noodle. Yeah, and yeah. especially in in like blockbusters, really throughout all of history and of film, but like really in this like this era, that's that's a lot of women's roles in this. In yeah, the, yeah, basically, yeah. 
insert Kimberly from the Power Rangers. No, no. <laughs> insert Reese Witherspoon's one of her award acceptance speeches that she has where she's like, there's all these roles that she kept getting where a woman she would read and a woman would say, what do we do now to a man? And she's like, no fucking woman ever in life has ever said, <laughs> what do I, what do we do now? Every woman has a goddamn plan. Yeah. And it's facts. Mm-hmm. I, I got, I got plans, a, a B, C, D, and E. <laughs> You're ready to go. Yeah. I'm always, always ready. Yes. I got so, scissors right here. Just <laughs> I stay ready. <laughs> So shortly after this is when we see Peter talking to MJ and they have this really weird conversation. Like she invites him to go out with her and Harry and he's like, no, but then she's like, it's very much like, yeah, like he, you can tell, you can tell he wants to. And I think she wants him to also, but he knows like he, he's still Harry's friend. Harry's been a dick to him, but he also feels like a third wheel. Yeah. You know, there's, there's a lot of like complicated stuff happening. He's there, like, I bitch, think. I'm not going to sit and watch you with my friend have a right. fucking meal. Like, yeah, get out of here with that shit. Yeah. But it's also clear, like it's clear in that scene, MJ would be so much happier with Peter too. Or at least she would be happier with the idea of trying to date Peter instead of Harry. Right. You know? Yeah. Like it's a preferable alternative. Almost like she doesn't want to be alone with Harry, which I kind of feel well, might be appropriate. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's more, that's more hindsight talking than it. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I just want to know how she didn't figure out like immediately that Spider-Man was Peter once she kissed him. Those were the thinnest lips on the, on the yeah. East Coast. She's got that moment of recollection though. Yeah, when yes. she kisses him again, but... I could spot those lips a mile away. Mm -hmm. He has a very distinctive mouth. Yeah, it's like (laughs) as an artiste, I and I was drawing lips. I would just put two straight lines. (laughs) Just one straight line. Yeah, it's true. One straight line that just separates. (laughs) I mean, I think that is like you know that's also just an aspect of superhero stuff you have to roll with almost like you know, the love interest doesn't figure out who they are for a very long time in almost everything. I think yeah, you know, where I, Lois Lane doesn't figure out who Superman is until like Superman reveals himself kind of thing. And it's I like get he just it, put but I just had to make fun of Toby Maguire's lips. And that's There's fair. Well, yes, very make fun of lips. And, it, and the way she pulls his mask down, like she literally covers his nostrils. So homeboy is like suffocating. He can't he's, he's kissing with his mouth and he can't breathe through his nose. And he's upside down. And Toby McGuire said his sinuses kept filling up with water, water. because he was yeah. upside down. <laughs> Homeboy was being waterboarded oh, while yeah. kissing this girl. And, and at, she couldn't find his time. lips. She was making out with his chin. <laughs> Men will hey. literally get waterboarded to kiss a woman <laughs> instead of going to yeah. therapy. <laughs> And yet, and yet, at the same time, that image, the the upside down kiss, has been like the resonating image from this movie. The, I guess yeah. the DVD cover, if I remember it might, right, it might be, or like at least maybe like the them. inside cover. Yeah, or and yeah, for like the that. girlies, we just remember Seth and Summer recreating this mm-hmm. on the OC. We do, sure, and that yeah. was a much, much better. better kiss. Yeah. <laughs> Wow, we like prefer that version. Yes, <laughs> highly prefer but, that version. But this, this to me feels like one of those things where, like, a lot of modern st- superhero stories are trying to chase like any moment that's like half as like resonant within pop culture yes. as the upside down kiss in Spider Man, because it is one of those things where it's like it's the perfect like 
you know, it's Spider-Man and MJ. It's that classic couple, but it's also, you know, it's he's upside down. It's like imagery. The, the imagery yeah. that like evokes Spider-Man. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and you know, and I don't think like in the Tom Holland movies, I don't think there's a single moment in there that like makes me like think of Spider-Man the way this image does, I guess. No, not at all. There's such a weird like you know, for the tone or whatever of this movie, as like hokey as it might be, there's such like a weird earnestness to this movie compared to the stuff in the MCU, I think, or like modern day superhero yeah. movies in general yeah. that are so like Joss Whedon snark. We have to, everything is ironic or dark, like gritty, like right. fucking Joker or whatever that movie is. But you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Joker uh, part two, coming out soon. <laughs> um, but in this movie, like, it's going for kind of like the grand romance with a capital R of it all. Yeah. Um, whether or not it works is up to the viewer and stuff, but I think it's trying that. Whereas I don't think they would ever try that kind of stuff in a movie now. Yeah. I and mean, I, you watch No Way Home and I mean, they literally like laugh at the idea of Dr. Octopus, right? They're like, yeah. oh, is that really your name or whatever? And I feel like that's, you know, that's not something this movie would like ever do because it's just so all in and like, yes, of course he's Dr. Octopus. Yes. How can he not be? You know, <laughs> we're I all think, in on this concept. <laughs> I think also like, them adding this element of Mary Jane and having the romance. I mean, obviously it's very true to the comic books. And if we're thinking about comic book couples, they are on the Mm -hmm. definitely top five of the Mm -hmm. most recognizable at least. But I think they were definitely like, let's see if we can make sure women come to see this as well. Yeah. I mean, it worked, made a bunch of money. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, Danielle and I were in line for it. Just yeah. the and two then, of us. After this, I think, is the Thanksgiving scene. Well, there's the scene where Peter like fights Green Goblin again with the burning building. Right. Um, uh, no. So before that, Peter gets that job at the Bugle, right? Mm-hmm. Because yes. he can take pictures of Spider-Man because dun, 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 he is Spider-Man. <laughs> right. And then the Green Goblin tra- is trying to track down Spider-Man and, after the fight and he doses him. Fucking doses Spider-Man. Yeah. I which is so weird because he kid he doses him, kidnaps him, puts him on this. I think they're on a roof, he doesn't wake up or whatever he says. And and then he's just like And you can see Defoe's eyes through the mask in this scene too, which just makes it creepier. (laughs) And he he propositions him. I'm like, you ain't killing, you're not unmasking him, you're not killing him. You just say, join me. You know, like you and me could run this town, (laughs) Spider-Man. And then he's like, think about it. <laughs> uh, check yes, check no. <laughs> right. And, and then that's the burning, like, then there's a burning building and he pretends to be this woman so Spider-Man goes Hilarious. back into the so burning funny. building and he turns around. It's like a fucking soap opera. It's me, <laughs> your twin sister, and I'm going to kill you. <laughs> yes. So good. Hilarious. And he's like, nobody says no to me, you know? <laughs> yes. And so, and so Spidey gets out of there, but he gets like an injury in that match. He right. Yes, cut he gets cut. Uh, and so he goes to Thanksgiving dinner, uh, which Norman Osborn happens to be attending. Uh, you know, when that... Aunt May smacks his hand. Yes. For... Hell yeah. So First of all, that was some nasty shit. How are you going to just put your fingers in? What was that like? <laughs> in the stuffing or whatever he's touching. In the stuffing yeah. or... I wasn't he's sure crazy, was... Danielle. <laughs> <laughs> he's a madman. Aunt May slaps his hand and says... Cut the goddamn <laughs> and he looks like he is ready to backhand Aunt May. I like yeah. seventy-year-old <laughs> But yeah, so he gets like an injury on his arm, and he like sneaks in to try to like you know appear as if he's been there the whole time. They and that's when like Defoe 
sees like the blood drop that comes down from the ceiling and he like kind of realizes during Thanksgiving dinner. <laughs> Which was fucking like ketchup with water. <laughs> yeah. It was yeah. So Cherry red blood. Yes. Uh, but Defoe realizes that uh, he, he like puts two and two together and realizes that Peter Parker is Spider-Man in that scene. I think dun, dun, dun. you're skipping the most important detail, Mike, is that uh, Peter that had to beat an old woman with stick for that cranberry sauce. Yes. <laughs> Which is played for a goof in a really sinister way. <laughs> I love how quickly he figures out that Spider-Man is, is I was going to say Tobey Maguire, is Peter. Because in most of these movies, the villain like doesn't know for the longest time or whatever. But I, And then he just like storms out. And in this scene, you tell me, was it Green Goblin talking or was it just being a dick to, mm-hmm. to Harry? Terry, Terry he, and MJ, I should say. Yeah, yeah, when he says, like, MJ is pretty much trash. Fuck that hoe if you want to get what you want and dip. The words verbatim. Yeah, I, I think... Uh... <laughs> Yeah. Somehow, I don't believe you, Daniel. I think he says, do what you need to, then broom her, which is like... No, I think he, f- is that what he words says? I've oh, never heard. Door? I think yeah. he says get rid of her or something. No, he, no says he says broom. 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 I said, did he say groom? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a broom. Different yeah. thing, I guess. But yeah, no, I think, I think it's like half and half. I, I think Norman is, you know, I, I think he... Like the way he's kind of depicted in the beginning of the movie, he's like kind of disappointed in Harry and a lot of the sequences that you kind of see between the two of them. And he and he really likes Peter. Like mm-hmm, he's like yeah. you know, taking a shine to Peter and like, oh, I'm something of a scientist myself. And you know, he offers him a job at Oscorp and all that kind yeah. of stuff. And Harry is like constantly trying to please him and like never getting the recognition that he wants. And that's before he becomes the Green Goblin. And so now he's like that that element of his personality is still there, but it's like amplified because yeah. of the uh, the Green Goblin stuff that he's dealing with too. So it's I think it's like half and half. Yeah, he said that trick ass hoe I marrying into this family. And he dips. He gets in the elevator and leaves. And of course, like everybody could hear this shit. Harry's yeah. dumbass comes back in and Mary Jane's like, fuck you, you didn't stick up for me. And he's like, you could hear that? The acting. Yes. <laughs> Fucking Academy Award winning. And she's like, yeah, the whole goddamn country could hear this. And she dips out. And again, a glimmer of hope or just like just happiness in Peter's eyes happen again because seeing MJ like, and Harry break up. He's just nodding like, yeah, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Just waiting my time out. Right. My time. Until Spider-Man 2. That's what's going to (laughs) happen. It's going down. Because these days you got to have a sequel. And then after this, the Goblin attacks Aunt May. You know, which is, you know, Aunt May's craziest fucking scene. The wild scene. I mean, and works because it works because (laughs) Defoe sells it so much. (laughs) It does. He's unhinged, but he has to give credit to his scene partner because Aunt May was like, she falls off the fucking bed and when i tell you she screams from that fucking scene all the way (laughs) (laughs) like you hear peter's running to the hospital room and you you hear this wailing like (laughs) he gets there he's like what the fuck is going on and she's like those eyes so good i mean the way that he makes her finish the prayer that she's doing right she's saying yeah. our father and he's like finish it and then she's like she's like 
continuing to do the prayer, but it's like she's doing an exorcism against yeah. him. Yes. <laughs> full of grace. Full yes. of grace. Full of grace. But yeah, so then after that, so the, you know, Aunt May goes to the hospital and Peter goes to visit her. He has that kind of scene with MJ where they're where she's visiting and uh, you know they kind of have a nice moment together and Aunt May's watching them like she wakes up and like sees them she and is sneaky you know. ho. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she has that love- line, that sly line is like, oh, I haven't seen a smile on your face since MJ was here. Like, <laughs> you fucking nerd is the subtext of that. But I love when she has that moment after that MA where she's like, you know, kind of sort of to what Danielle's point was earlier about like, the movie does feel a little confusing about the relationship between MJ and Peter, like before the movie, like that kind of history where it seems like MJ doesn't really know who Peter is. And Aunt May says that here, where she's like, "Well, everybody in the world knows you're in love with her, except MJ." It, it, it this is kind of where it like all it finally, is. yeah, where yeah. it finally solidifies a little bit. But, but yeah, MA's got she knows, you know, she's always Absolutely. watching. She's MA knows watching, everything. She sees, but also like at this point, Harry comes with flowers, and MJ has her hands on Peter's hand, and they, it's because they both like break away so quickly (laughs) that like if they just kept it like that it would have been fine like his fucking aunt is in the hospital of course he's gonna need to be consoled yeah I swear Harry's like hey May how you doing and he's like looking at them (laughs) and and as soon as he leaves the hospital he runs to daddy warbucks and he's like daddy you're right she is a trick asshole and she loves peter now and he's like you're Come right here, son, again verbatim let me hug you yeah. <laughs> danielle has a way with words <laughs> in the script, you buy the script online you see exactly what i'm talking about right mm-hmm. trick mm-hmm. asshole yes and, that, and that's Subtitle. what like <laughs> and that's what gets Defoe to understand that like he now he knows that MJ is really important to Peter. He mm-hmm. knows that Peter is Spider-Man. So now he knows how to get to Peter, basically. Like he's already attacked Aunt May, and uh, he basically reveals to Peter that he knows who he is, like through the telephone, and right. uh, kidnaps Aunt May and then holds her and a car full of children alongside the Queensboro Bridge. Classic. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, he I mean, doesn't he doesn't take he takes out May or or Mary uh, No, Mary, Mary Jane. Mary Jane. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I was so like, that, wait a and minute. it's it's sort of the thing where it's like, do you save the woman you love, or do you save the lives of all these children? And, and Spider Man says both, bitch, and he yes. does. He saves that, both of them. Does yeah, yes. he goes for MJ first. Yes, yeah, he, he does. He does go yeah, for MJ. Maybe first. not great optics, you know. Swings yeah. around, <laughs> um, but he the does bridge. save both. Yeah. Yes, that absolutely. is why I do not want to ever go on those damn trot. I don't know what you call them. The, the tram rides, the Gondola? tram rides for because you're afraid of the Green Goblin coming out and yeah, fuck that. I'm yeah. Willem Dafoe himself. Yeah, in the yeah. sweatpants. Not really. Exactly. What I, freaking? I'm not Roosevelt saying. Island. Thank you. I don't know why I said Randall <laughs> Island. I guess I'm um, not a real New Yorker. <laughs> You've been away uh, too long, Daniel. If, if you were, you would be one of the people on this bridge. Throwing shit at me. Right. You fuck with Spider-Man. You fuck with New York. You want to yes. get it. Yeah. You mess with one of us. You mess with all of us. And again, uh, which verbatim. I, I, re- I really like the cheesiness of this scene and like the kind of, like just the fun, like that like New York rousing thing. But that's also, I think it's important to remember this was 2002. This is a year after 9-11. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. It's, yeah. it's one of those things where it's like, you know, this felt like a new, like I think part of the success of this movie is it sort of felt like a New York rallying cry. Like, it you know, it's New, new York, York superhero yeah. and they have this moment and, you know, this moment where he stands in front of the American flag and all that kind of stuff. Like there's that super like early 2000s patriotism that kind of 
drives uh, some of that stuff in here, which is problematic in hindsight in a, a lot of it. But yeah. uh, in, the, yeah, in that moment, propaganda. it was like a rallying, a rallying, cheering cry in the theater for sure. Yeah, and, and I'm glad you brought that up because I have a little blockbuster story. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh. So some history. Some history. So when Spider-Man's teaser trailer came out, there was yep. a scene. It, it was Spider-Man chasing bad guys that were getting away in a helicopter and then he's making a web and you kind of just see close-ups you don't know what he's really doing and then like the last big reveal for the teaser trailer is he's fashioned this giant web in in between the two towers and catches the helicopter like it's a, a fly yeah so they quickly yeah wow. it's That's wild. it's a really cool yeah. trailer it is but like so A Knight's Tale was the first VHS that was going to have that teaser trailer on it. And so as us at Blockbuster, we get we used to get the movies a week in advance so we could prep them, we could rent them early and stuff. And so I had A Knight's Tale at home and we got a phone call like from our manager and they're like, they're recalling all the Knight's Tale videos because they need to take that trailer out of it. They don't want them in there anymore. So that was my like, like, little tidbit of history is like, Ooh, I had the night's tale that had like the recalled trailer on it, right. but it is a really cool trailer. I think you can watch it on YouTube. I, think I believe, yeah, I believe it. now it's on YouTube. You can watch it yeah. anytime you want, but uh, yeah, at the time that was like, so I had heard about that. Mm-hmm. And I think that it may have played in some theaters for a little bit and before it was, you know, taken out, obviously. And I don't think I ever saw it in theaters. So it was one of those like mythical things where it's like, what could I ever see the Spider-Man trailer with the twin towers? In? <laughs> you know? Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, it, it, it's a really cool trailer. Yeah, definitely. Hello, kids of the 80s, 90s, and beyond. Radical Ryan Hunter here from the Radical Retro Rewind Podcast. Join me along with everyone's favorite brother, David, and the movie geek Rob every Friday as we discuss everything from movies, TV, video games, music, action figures, and more. Every week's another adventure. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and most podcasting platforms. Hope to see you there radical ones so yeah they do the thing they they attack <laughs> the green goblin and spider-man they fight i mean he saves mary jane he saves the tram you know the new yorkers are throwing stuff at him and they end up in like this kind of empty warehouse and peter and norman are fighting and you know norman has that like moment of recognition where it seems like maybe he's returned back to normal but in actuality he's it's it's just a goblin trick it's like just a silly peter, goblin it's trick. me yeah yes. it's Take my hand. <laughs> yes, which he does in the new one as well, in No Way Home. Yeah. And yeah, so he's doing that. And then, but while he's doing that, and I think what I like about Defoe's performance too is you kind of sort of believe it where like he believes it. Like I, yeah. I think mm-hmm. you have that that sort of mindset in Defoe where he's like, he believes he's in control and the goblin's not in control, but the goblin actually is. And he's like absent mindedly, like kind of messing with the glider controls in his arms that the gliders turn like coming up behind Peter. And then, of course, you know, Peter does the backflip when he realizes what's happening and he says, Godspeed. Spider-Man and (laughs) (laughs) And the glider comes through Peter does the backflip and Norman accidentally kills himself with the glider I think we need to do a one-man show of yes it's just reenacting the entire Spider-Man movie and I think we could do it I I think so too I can at least do the faux parts (laughs) and then he like so he did Spider-Man didn't necessarily kill him he killed himself you, you wreck yourself. 
pretty yes. much. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he takes his dead body back to his house? Question mark. Yeah, well, yeah. I think I think he feels it a responsibility to Harry, you know, with Harry being his best friend, he he knows that it's Norman Osborn now, and you know, this is obviously going to be devastating for him to discover that his father was the Green Goblin and also that he's dead. Yeah. You know, it's a lot, it's a lot for any person to take in. Yeah. And so Spider and so he brings it over, but you know, has the Spider-Man mask on, and you know, Harry gets the idea and said that Spider-Man killed the Green Goblin, which is how it kind of gets out there in the press, and that's what the story becomes and peter lets that become the story because it's better he believes it's better that harry believes that rather than know the truth that his father killed himself yeah and, it, and it's kind of that that self-fulfilling prophecy where norman tells him essentially everyone's going to turn on you at some point yes. and you're yeah. going to become the villain which any good spider-man story should have everyone in new york hating spider-man yeah <laughs> Correct. Like I said, everything should be going bad for Peter Parker and Spider-Man at all times. (laughs) We can't have good things ever. Yes. Never. (laughs) And then the next scene is they're at the graveyard. And, you know, obviously Harry is on his journey for vengeance. Yes. Mm -hmm. He says he's going to kill Spider-Man himself, basically. Yes. And so Peter's like, good luck on that journey. And then he goes to see Uncle Ben and, you know, his, his Aunt May's there and uh, they talk. I don't, I don't know if it's important. Anywho, um, maybe it is. I, I stopped really paying attention at this point. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. So Mary Jane kind of comes up to Peter and uh, starts to kind of confess to him that's, uh, you know, in that moment where she thought she was going to die because the Green Goblin was dropping her, you know, she, there was only one person she was thinking of and it wasn't the person that she thought it would be. It was you, Peter. And, uh, you know, they have a kiss and they, you know, have that moment together. And then Peter kind of pulls back from it and, you know, this is the thing he's wanted this entire movie. Like what he's wanted his entire life is to, you know, have a relationship with MJ. And he now realizes that the people close to him are the people that are going to be hurt the most because Mm -hmm. of his Spider-Man abilities. And because, you know, the people who are are out there like the Green Goblin are going to, you know, cause more chaos like that. But does uh, he so, dead Aunt May? Like, this makes no sense to me. Like, it would make sense if he's like, you know what, Aunt May, I can't be around you anymore. He doesn't do that. I'm not sure he can, like, get Aunt May out of his life that he's... But, like, <laughs> but still, she just like, lost her husband, Danielle. I'm just saying, like, his thought process is fucking stupid. Yeah, but he's also, I mean, he's he sees Aunt May, you know, every once in a while. She's in Queens. She's, you know, all the way in Queens. He's doing most of his stuff in Manhattan. You know, that's where the... <laughs> that's where right. I'm just in another borough. Nobody's going to find out May again. Exactly. Because then Never. she's got... I gave her holy water this time for her next exorcism. Right. And she, and she does get into a scuffle with Doc Ock and Spider-Man too, actually. Yeah. Uh, so there is True. that. Uh, which is one of the best scenes in that movie. That's great. But uh, yeah, he has that moment with Mary Jane and he tells her that they can only be friends. And he has, and then he walks away and he has the voiceover and says, with great power comes great responsibility. And then the credits roll. But Mary Jane does have this realization after No Lips, Magoo walks away and she's like, oh my God, that kiss, it feels familiar. Yes. <laughs> yeah. She definitely, that, that definitely is there. And then that's a big part of Spider-Man 2 is, uh, you know, her kind of, she doesn't like put it together at the beginning of the movie or anything, but like, it's, it's like on her mind. And she has that moment in Spider-Man two where she kisses her fiance and she asks him to kiss her upside down. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she like, you know, now she's moment. got this fetish. Yeah. It's like a whole thing <laughs> it's, now. It's, it's a whole thing. This was, this was a, <laughs> a, a pretty revolutionary thing for MJ for sure. <laughs> and now that is Spider-Man. 
That is Spider-Man. That is uh, Spider-Man 2002. Yes, indeed. <laughs> do we have any more fun facts that we want to throw out there before we get to our ratings? We do have a Stanley cameo. He is in the the parade. And you yeah. just see him very briefly. And he had an extended role, but it was cut down. He's yeah, got the was... Jimmy Buffett cameo from Jurassic World. Jurassic World. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Just running. Yeah. <laughs> this, was, this was back. If you look at like the Stanley cameos around this time, all of them are like that, basically. Innocent yeah. Bystander number two yeah. or whatever it is. I think his first on-screen line of dialogue is in Spider-Man 3, actually, which is one of my favorite Stanley cameos when he walks up to Peter and says, like, you know, I think one person can make a difference. Nothing. <laughs> walks away. Yeah. Uh, yeah was he... Cameo. My favorite is the hot dog vendor. Is that X-Men? I think he's, the he's okay. on the beach, right? No, he's X-Men. in the city and he's just a hot dog vendor, like selling street meat. Okay. Yeah, my I, favorite. I, I think it is one of the X-Men's for sure. Stanley revealed that Michael Jackson wanted to play Spider-Man in the 90s. That would have been very interesting. What? James Cameron directed Michael Jackson's Star Spider-Man. <laughs> that, that is... What a world we could have lived in. That could have corrected the timeline we're currently on, yeah. I, I do like the- Or made it way worse, you know, who's to say that? I do like the actor. So here's the list of the actors that were considered to play Jonah, J. Jonah Jameson. Arlie Ernie. Ar- Arlie- Arlie Ermie. Ermie. Hugh yeah. Laurie. Who's Harv Presno? I don't know. That uh, name Dennis rings a bell, but I'm blanking on who it is. Dennis Farina, Michael Keaton, Fred Ward, and Bill Paxton. But I think, I, I, I don't think I would have mind Hugh Laurie. I don't know why, but. I think Hugh Laurie could have been good. I mean, yeah. you know, especially in 2002, if, yeah. we didn't, if we didn't know that J.K. Simmons delivered the perfect J. Jonah Jameson. Yeah. You know, I, I think Hugh Laurie could have been a pretty good one, for sure. I, I also think Arlie Ermey, who's the, the drill instructor in Full Metal Jacket, could have been a really oh, great one, too. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I think Bill Paxton or Fred Ward, or more, more Fred Ward would have been fun. Fred Ward would have been good, yeah. yeah. And uh, Harv Presnell, by the way, is a character actor from Fargo, Saving Private Ryan, and uh, he had recurring roles on Lois and Clark and Dawson's hmm. Creek. Ah, Austin's Dawson's Creek. Creek. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Who could forget him? Three, Green Goblin. Oh, the Green Goblin was chosen as the film's main villain since Sam Raimi felt the father-son theme, Norman and Harry, and Peter would make the film deeper. Interesting. It did. And and he's also like just one of the big name Spider-Man villains too, which I think especially especially at this time, like if you're gonna do a marquee superhero blockbuster, you need like a marquee supervillain to go along with it. Yeah. You know, the X-Men movies had Magneto and that kind of thing. Like names that like general audiences might know. Whereas now you can put out the new Thor movie and Christian Bale's playing Gore the God Butcher. And everyone's like, yeah. (laughs) Sure, why not? Sure. (laughs) But they did say that Dr. Octopus was in the early draft of the script to appear as a second bad guy. But later on in pre-production, it was decided that he'd be reassigned to the Spider-Man 2 movie, which interesting. is what we got. Yeah, interesting. Especially because a lot of the Spider-Man movies have the problem of having too many villains. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting that they like thought about that in this movie and then yeah. didn't think about it in later movies. <laughs> Threw it out the window in later yes. movies. The film's climax is based on the infamous The Amazing Spider-Man number 121, The Night When Stacy Died. Yep. And at Osborne's funeral, a gravestone nearby says Stacy on it. Oh, hmm. interesting. Okay, cool. Gwen Stacy actually does appear in Spider-Man 3, played by Bryce Dallas Howard. 
Um, oh yeah, so, yeah. So one of those things Thanks. that Mike was talking about, where it's like you know they're they're just kind of tossing in Easter eggs without thinking about you know mm-hmm. sequelizing yeah. it or anything like that, yeah. turning into a big franchise. But they do. I mean, obviously, the night Gwen Stacy died also became the basis for Gwen Stacy's character in the Andrew Garfield movies too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, which it, it always felt like when they introduced Emma Stone as Gwen Stacy, everyone was like, okay, but when are they going to kill her? And I was always like, <laughs> like she, I feel like they could just skip the kill. Like she was good. In these yeah. Movies. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Emma Stone. Like, yeah, Do she's you great. Do want her to come back for Spider-Gwen? Oh, I, I was 100% hoping that she would have popped up in Spider-Man No Way Home as like a version of Spider-Gwen. I thought that would have been incredible. Yeah. Like that would have been great. galaxy brain. <laughs> and this movie was released in 2002, which was Spider-Man's 40th anniversary, which would make this Spider-Man's 60th anniversary. Yeah, actually, oh. it was just a couple of days ago, I believe, was the 60th anniversary. Oh, wow. As, as of this recording. I don't know when this is coming out. but. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, guys, why don't you tell everybody your social handles so that they can follow along and listen to your podcast? Absolutely. Mike, why don't you go first? Sure. You can follow me at MD Film Blog on Twitter and Letterboxd. And I guess also if you want to donate to support our podcast, you can do that at our Kofi page, which is Kofi.com slash Mike and Mike Pods, plural, because we have two podcasts. Yes, we do. You can follow me online. It's a M Smith film blog on Twitter, Mike Smith film and letterbox radio, Mike sandwich and Instagram. And also you can follow our podcast at Mike and Mike pod on Twitter or at Goldblum pod for now on Twitter for the other podcast. Um, Cause again, we're changing the name. <laughs> I really, I really wish we had figured out a new name before we came on this podcast. But, <laughs> but oh well. <laughs> if you guys have suggestions for the guy's new podcast name, hit him up on their socials. And there you go. <laughs> if anybody wants to check out the episode of our podcast that Danielle popped up on a while back. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. We, we reviewed My Girl 2 back in December. My um, favorite. <laughs> which we almost had to review again for the, uh, the Complete Works because Jamie Lee Curtis almost won the poll. It was part of the poll, at least. And I would have uh, come right back. <laughs> I think we may have had you on for My Girl 1, just to di- diversify it a little bit. <laughs> oh, I guess. Uh, I guess but yeah, my right. gr- we do have a My Girl 2 episode with Danielle. That is a lot of fun. It is a lot of fun. Haven't listened to their trailer episode with us. Pause or end this and go go listen because it's good. It's fun. We had a good time. And if you have any hot takes or you want to yell at us for anything, because that's usually what gets you going, hit us up <laughs> on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, Twitter, YouTube at No More Late Fees. And let's get into the ratings. I'll start with Mike D. What is your present day rating for Spider Man? Oh, buy buy again! Come on, like, like, come on. <laughs> yeah, like I, yeah, <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. Buy again. I own the the trilogy blue. I, I bought the trilogy Blu-ray ahead of Spider-Man: No Way Home, but I I was holding on to my DVDs for a very long time. Yeah, you know, these movies rule, and uh, you know I I think this first one is a. I think probably my third favorite Spider-Man movie behind Spider-Verse and Spider-Man 2 at like number one and two. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, Spider-Man 2 is again the pinnacle of all superhero movies, and uh, this one is also very good. Jackie? It's a no for me, dog. I'm not going to give it a same day. I'll give it a two day, but. But what if I dubbed over all of Willem Dafoe's lines with my own voice? (laughs) That I would watch. I will come to your one man show when you perform this movie. Fair enough. For me, it's a five day rental. It didn't age very well for me, but that, you know, Willem Dafoe really his performance visually i just think it's great the the nostalgia of it all yeah and i laughed a lot i'm sure that's not what they wanted but i i, I think that is part of like what they're doing you know there's a lot yeah. of like laugh lines in this movie and a lot of like stuff that is like deliberately campy which is a big sam raimi thing yeah so yeah 
Yeah, I could watch Aunt May and her exorcism life. (laughs) Well, if you have hot takes you'd like to share with us, call into our quick drop 909601 and MLF 909601-6653. Twat us at the Twitter or leave a voice message at our Anchor FM account, leave feedback, suggest future movies, what you like, dislike, give us corrections, share your blockbuster video stories, share your favorite moments from the pod, and you can be featured on a future episode. Stay tuned for next week because it's my birthday, bitches! Happy birthday to you! Yeah. And to celebrate, we're going to be wishing and hoping and saying a little prayer for my crazy ass with my best friend's wedding. Nice. Yeah. (laughs) That's going to be a fun one. It's going to be a lot of fun. (laughs) Yeah. And as always, be kind and rewind.